Today I'm going to speak a little bit about a victorious life, how to live in victory, and I'm going to point out one of the things that I believe that can bring harm to your life as a believer in the unconditional love of God. I find this point that I'm going to talk about uh, in, in the hearts of many people that grab the hold of the grace message. I do believe that what I'm going to talk about is a phase in many Christians' lives, but we need to get through it and walk in the life God intended for us. What I want to talk about today is bitterness or rebellion. And I'm going to speak from 1 Samuel chapter 15, and we're going to look at what Samuel did, why God was actually upset with Samuel, why God told Samuel to do, uh, not, not Samuel, I mean Saul, why God was upset with Saul, why he told Saul to do the things that he had to do, um, and how that pertains to our life today. We're also going to look at some verses in the New Testament as pertaining to bitterness. And then at the end of the session, I'm going to talk on how to be free from bitterness in a very easy way that is not involving a lot of your effort. First uh, Samuel 15 and verse 1. Samuel said unto Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you to be king over the people, over Israel. Now therefore hearken unto the voice of the word of the Lord. That word, word of the Lord, talks about Aleph Tav, talks about the gospel. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. So what happens here is God remembered what Amalek did when Israel wanted to, was, was led out by God from Egypt into the promised land. And as, he was, as they were led out, they laid wait for them. They made it difficult for them to get into that which God promised. Now, if we go and look at Corinthians, the Bible clearly says when it talks to preachers, he says, watch out how you build. Make sure you build on the foundation. Because if you don't build on the foundation, you're going to suffer loss and all your work is going to be destroyed. So if God has come in Jesus Christ to lead us out of bondage, out of Egypt, and into the promised land, and something comes, a system comes in between and lays wait for us to make it difficult for us to go into the promised land, God will destroy that system. Now, I do believe we can also make it very personal. In our own life, God will destroy that system. So in other words, if you were in bondage, let's, let's, let's take the normal Christian life. You've never received Jesus Christ. You received Jesus Christ. You're very happy. You're led out of bondage. But there's a land of victory. There's a place of victory where you can live in. And as you're on your way to that, halfway through, you find that Amalek comes. And what he does is he, he makes it very difficult for you. He blocks the way that you cannot walk in it. Um, you know, that Amalek in your life will be destroyed by God. Now, uh, I've seen it many times in Christians' lives. You receive the Lord. You are very excited about the finished work of Jesus Christ, that you are saved, that your sins are forgiven, that you are righteous before God, and all those kind of things, that you are free. And then a system comes that grabs a hold of our lives, and this is what it does. It destroys us because it's in the way 
of righteousness and it's against freedom. Now, God will tell you to get it out of your life. So, and you, that you need to know. When there's something in your life that opposes the good news in your life, God will want to destroy it. You will want to get it out of your life. In my life, it was like that. You know, I was part of systems where the freedom that was in my heart was just jailed, basically. And they stood in the way for me to, to live a victorious life. And then God gave me a command and said, get them out of, the, out of your life, completely destroy them. Now, that doesn't mean like in the Old Testament, I must go and take a sword and kill them or try and end their ministry or anything like that. In today's life, I believe, applied in the New Testament was to take them completely out of your life, that, this, that, that, that you've got nothing to do with it whatsoever, that you can walk in victory. And let's go and look at what Saul did. And unfortunately, I can't read everything. Um, but what Saul did was he went and he made war. But what God said was, and he gave specific instructions, he said, when you go and make war, you kill everybody. You kill uh, the men, the women, the children, you kill the animals, and you take nothing of theirs back home. You kill it all. Nothing must come back. And, and that was a very, very big thing. Uh, and what happened was that Saul brought back, um, has not hearkened unto the word of the Lord his God, and that word, word again there is Aleph Tav in the Hebrew, has not hearkened to the Alpha and Omega message, but what he did was he brought back some animals to sacrifice the best of them unto the Lord. And then uh, he, uh, he met Samuel and said to Samuel, I have done as God commanded you, uh, or commanded me. And then Samuel said, but why am I still hearing this noise of the animals? In Afrikaans it says, for what work hier die geblaar van die bokke? So why am I still hearing this noise in my ears of the sheep and the goats and whatever they brought? And then he says, isn't God more pleased with obedience than sacrifice. So don't you think God would rather have you obey His word than bring sacrifices to Him? So God was not hungry for sacrifice. He wanted us to obey His word. Now, when we go and read in Romans uh, chapter 6, we can clearly see that the way we obey in the New Testament is by believing what God says about us. Now, God is more pleased with you obeying what He says about you than for you to bring stuff back after you've gone to destroy and completely get out of your life that which was in the way for you to get into the promised land. He doesn't want you to bring anything back. And we're going to pick it up from verse, um, verse 22. And we're going to read what Samuel says there. And Samuel said, Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in the obeying of the voice of the Lord. That's Aleph Tav. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Then verse 23. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Now, this is what I find here. 
Uh, and we're going to talk about spiritual things today. And the Bible says he who is spiritual interprets things spiritually. So we're going to spiritually interpret this passage here. And we're going to see how that pertains to our lives today. What the Lord wants us to do is to completely remove anything that was standing in our way to get us to the place of freedom. There was many teachings taught that we could not follow because it was standing in the way of our freedom. We would be in systems where people, um, where, where, where people was, were abused you know, for money, for service, for building a vision, building buildings, and all those kind of things. And that stood in our way. And when we wanted to leave or say we don't want anything to do with this, we were labeled, and I'm talking about myself as well, by people as a rebel or just a, 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 a lone ranger. Or, you know, there's so many names for those things, you know, that, that you are labeled with. And when you're labeled with this, you feel I can't leave, you know, and you still stick with teachings like submitting to the leader and all those kind of things, which, which all are truths in the Bible if applied to the true gospel. They cannot be applied to the false gospel because you should not submit to the false gospel. You should reject the false gospel. You should submit to the good gospel. Amen. The Bible says, keep your leaders uh, that are worthy of double honor. Now, what leader is that? That's not the leader that stands in the way of getting to freedom. That is the leader that has led you into freedom. Amen. Have him in double honor. Care for, care for him, listen to him, submit to him, for they do watch out for your soul. You know, your mind, your will, and your emotions, making sure that the right emotion is born in you by the gospel. Right, so, so we, got, we were in those systems, and when we come out of it, you know, we say, well, I'm not going to go to that church anymore, I'm not going to have anything to do with it anymore, and all of that because they stand in the way, which is perfect. But what we bring back with us is bitterness. We still walk in bitterness. And this is what that word means here. Um, now, please remember, I'm going to explain to you how to get free from bitterness. And I'm not here to accuse you, but I'm here to help you. Uh, because this, I, I've walked with bitterness in my life, and all it does is just makes you old before your time. It gives you sleepless nights. It brings forth a life and a way of dealing with people that's contrary to who you are. You're very harsh, arrogant, uh, boastful, full of pride, will hum humiliate people, um, thinking that you're better, and the whole attitude of bitterness brings also forth fruit of bitterness. So if you leave a place, and you, after you've left it, you bring over into, if you want to call it the, the, the camp of the Lord, um, the fruit of the law, because one of the fruits of the law is, is one of the bad fruit you can find is to be bitter, to be full of hate. Bitterness and hate is basically in the same category. If you look at, at the word rebellion, where it says here, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, it's the word mara, which comes from the bitter water, mara, bitterness. So it says bitterness is as the sin of witchcraft. So when we come and we live in bitterness against the other system, it is like witchcraft. And I want to explain what witchcraft is. Paul comes, he says in Galatians 3, who has bewitched you that you don't obey the truth and you want to go back to the law? 
You see, the moment we walk in bitterness, we are walking in the fruit of being under the law. Uh, because in our hearts there's still a right and wrong thing. We don't walk by the revelation of what Christ has done for us and what Christ has done for the person that has even ministered the law to us. And we walk in that bitterness. We are bitter because they abused us in our finances. We are bitter because they abused our time and energy. You know, the pastor would, uh, we, we would give our money that we would go on holidays for, you know, we'll give it to the church. And the pastor will go on massive expensive holidays three times a year. And, uh, but we will sit and suffer. And when we realize what has happened, we, we thank God that we are free. But as we think of this all the time, we become bitter. Mara. You know, it's when, when we, Mara Mem Resh Hay, it's uh, the Mem is the, it talks about spirit or water or the word. Uh, uh, resh is the mind, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, Resh is the mind and Hay is grace. Thinking, Mara, bitterness means, and this is the way I see this, is when we are in grace just with our minds, is when the spirit of the mind uh, thinks of grace, but it's never settled in your heart. You understand grace, you understand the theory of grace, but your heart still lives in bitterness. The Bible says, as a man believes in his heart, so is he. So, as long as what we believe and live in this bitterness, the fruit of bitterness will manifest. And I, man, I've seen the fruit of bitterness manifest in my life many times, but I thank God that a, a, a couple of years ago I started to preach and say, because of this revelation, that rebellion against the law does not equal grace. We're not in bitterness against the law. Being bitter towards the law does not mean that you are in grace. We have come to a place where we believe that we need to fight with somebody in order to leave somebody. If you are in a church or in a place where you feel this is not the grace gospel, you can just, in all humbleness, go, and write a letter and say, this is not for me. And you can leave if you want. As simple as that. Without a fight, without anything, having a good attitude towards the person. Because we must remember that the person that preaches it is as much a slave of what he preached as those that are under him being enslaved by the same doctrine. For that preacher believed it first towards himself. He was taught that 10 to 1 from somebody above him again. And he's enslaved to that person again. So he's as much a slave as, what those, as those that he enslaves. So when we walk in that bitterness, it is as the sin of witchcraft. What is witchcraft? Paul says, do you want to go back to the law? You know, witchcraft is who has bewitched you that you go back to the law? Living in bitterness is as good as living under the law. Living in bitterness is living under the law. That is what it is. And then it says stubbornness as iniquity. The Bible says iniquity was found in the devil. And when iniquity was found within, within him, it was, what was it? It was to have a system where I am defined by what I do. So I think in my mind, you know, that you've done wrong and what I do is right concerning this thing and I am better or I am right because of what I do and I am stubborn. It's, you, you, your life is born from stubbornness, your life is born from bitterness towards what the law system has done to you. 
that does not equal grace. And the next thing he says to Saul there, he says, because you've brought this over, God has rejected you as king. And this is what I believe it means. God cannot, it, it is impossible for us to experience the victorious life intended for us by God, the, 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 the life of a king where we rule and reign in life through Christ Jesus. We cannot rule and reign. We are still subject to that hurt and that bitterness. Um, you know, so we cannot rule in that way. And the problem, that, that will, the thing that will happen is we will find churches, cell groups, and people starting forming around this bitterness. And there's groups of people that are the same minded, you know, of how we were hurt, how we were abused, how we were this. And all that they talk about is how we were hurt and how bad that was. And thank God we're out of it. And all the time talking about the bad, all the time seeing the bad, all the time, in, you know, uh, f looking at, at a message to see what, what is wrong in the message. Where that is not the life that God intended for us. The life that God intended for us is a life born from the revelation of how much God loves us and how much He loves all people. Born from the revelation of who we really are in Christ. You see, we can have a whole movement against the system of death and still be in death. Where God has got life for us, life in Christ Jesus. So let us look at Samuel here and look at what he did. He brought stuff over, and what he brought over was bitterness. Now, I want us to, to read a, a verse in Hebrews 12. Let's go to the New Testament and look at what the writer of the book of Hebrews, let's say it was Paul, said. Hebrews 12 and verse 15. I'm still going to share with you how to get out of this in an effortless way, but I want you to know that this will bring great harm. To your life, and I want to read about the kind of harm it can bring to you. Listen to what it says here: Follow peace with all men, and holiness, where, uh, where, uh, without which no man shall see God. Follow peace with all men. Now, who's all men? It's even the law preacher. It's even those that brought hurt to us. Another thing that I want to say, you know, uh, just in a little bit of a defense towards. Not that I want to defend the law preacher, but I just want to bring a balance and explain why people are in the law. I mean, we were in a place where we were manipulated and controlled by people that preached the wrong thing to us. But didn't we have a Bible ourselves? You know, I remember a time when I was saying, these people did this, these people did that. And then my mom said to me, but you had your own Bible. Why didn't you read for yourself? And I realized that she's right. I had my own Bible. I had my own prayer life with God. You know, so I could, I could read for myself. And many times, many of the laws we are in is through our own Bible study and how we've studied this. So let's not be angry with a person, but let's rather say we are against a certain system or a certain uh, way of belief, which is satanic, which is a works-orientated system, which I will explain a little bit more later. Right. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 14 says, Follow peace with all men 
and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. By this I'm not saying stay in the system of death, stay in that law. All I'm saying is, and this is what I say, if you're in a place where works righteousness is ministered to you, and you feel that this is killing you, and, and, and you feel abused, and you've got no peace being there, go Speak to the pastor, speak to the leader, speak to the guy that you're with. Even if you're a co-pastor, speak to your leader. And if you feel that you cannot be there, leave. You don't have to sit under that. There's no thing like, well, if I'm not part of this network or part of that church, that God cannot bless you. I remember that I was part of a, 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 a Christian network and... Uh, these people, you know, said to me all the time, I said to them, I can't agree with you and I want to leave. And they says, if you leave, you're out under the covering of God. Guess what? I left and it went much better with me. <laughs> because how do you get out from the covering of God? It is impossible, you know, because they saw their system as the covering. And the whole thing was just so corrupt and so dead, you know, but I can't live my whole life thinking on how corrupt it was there, how dead it was there, and have all my teaching, all my revelation just built on how wrong it was there. Because then hurt is my father. Bitterness is my father. And that will trouble me and can even cause me to fall from grace. Let's read that in verse 15. It says, verse 14, follow peace with all men, and then verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, and then explains what it is, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Now that is, that is such strong words. You know what the enemy wants to do is, he wants to keep you under the law, and he wants the law to bear its fruit in you. When we're under the law, the law gives birth to our emotions. The law gives birth to our thoughts. It makes us feel that we don't qualify. It makes us feel depressed. It makes, it, it makes you feel condemned and guilty and not worthy. Now that we've left the law system, what the enemy wants is for you still to be bitter towards that system. And what he's going to do is he's going to show to you, look how wrong that and look how right you are and from that and look how they've harmed you and, and continual meditation on how you were abused and how wrong it was and your whole life is formed out of that and that is what the Bible calls falling from grace what it means is not that you will not be saved but what it means is you have fallen from being under the influence of God you're still under the influence of death so Let's leave the law system. And I, and I want to tell you, I can't tell you how much and with how much passion I can tell you that if somebody, if you're in a place where you are abused, where you hear a message of condemnation, where the emphasis is all the time put on your works, and you feel that this is a condemnation message that is destructive to your life, I can't put enough emphasis on it, leave leave. Even if the guys, even if your the name of the church is Grace Fellowship or Grace-based church or Grace in that name, there's many, that doesn't make it a Grace church. If you're in a place where the true gospel is not preached, you've, you have the freedom to leave. The internet is full of the gospel of grace where you can easily get a hold of that. You can start your own cell group. I'm not against that. Many will say that is rebellion. You know, you rebel and you split the church and you go and have your own thing. 
Man, have your own thing. You don't have to have, have sentiment towards the old system. I'm not sentimental towards the old system. What I'm trying to say is, I, I don't want anything to do with the old system. And the old system will break and destroy your life. And what he says here is when that root of bitterness springs up, it defiles people. You'll speak to people the way you never want to speak to them. Especially if you think that he says something that is law-orientated. I've just seen towards my people towards me. When I, uh, I, I'm not an, uh, a universalist, so if I say you need to have faith, I've seen some universalists hear that I'm saying they hear faith is a work and they feel I'm putting them under the law. And the way they speak to me is just, it, their, their life is defiled by their own speech, by the way they speak. And uh, it brings such a bad light, you know, over that person's life. When you look at Paul, Paul was, he had a very, very, and he placed a very big emphasis on the view outsiders would have of the church. So as people that are in grace, if we are saying we are in grace, but we're actually in bitterness, you are not in grace. And the way you live and the way you talk to people that might sound like they say something like law, or even a person that's in the law. The way, I, I, I mean, harsh words like you're a, you're a hypocrite and you know, you, you're from the devil and from Satan, goes around on Facebook, goes around in, in conversations between people, uh, um, you know, young people rebuking older people like they're just children. You know, I, I just think that is wrong. That is not, the, the Bible says the wisdom that's from above is first peaceable. And we can quote scripture, the, the, how much you know, but if we persecuted for righteousness, we might say and we might speak. I don't care if you say or speak. I care how do you say and how do you speak. Can we be radical? Yes, we can be radical. Be radical, but let grace be the fruit of your action. Speak boldly, but let grace be the fruit and not bitterness. Because bitterness will defile you. And let me read this again. Lest any, uh, verse, verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for a morsel of meat sold his birthright. We don't want, I know the context of Hebrews here is uh, going completely back under the law, but it's very interesting that the word bitterness is used in Samuel, where he said, if you bring something over, over, which is not supposed to be brought over, it is bitterness is as the sin of witchcraft. Stubbornness is as iniquity. It is just the very same thing. And as much as we hate and are against being abused and the old law system, we are still embracing it by being bitter. Because there's a wrong belief in our minds, and I'm going to address that belief shortly, what we believe and how we can really be free from this. I just feel in my heart that bitterness is not going to give you quality of life. It brings a bad name over the message of grace 
And I also want to say this, and you know, um, even for, for my own life, there are many of you people that follow my message and follow what I say and follow what I preach and are very harsh towards other people. And I look at the way you guys talk to people uh, in, in a harsh way, even quoting my name. Bertie teaches this, you know, and then using that as ammunition in your war against other people. That's fleshly. That's what Paul says. Are you not in the flesh in doing that? Some say I'm of Paul. Some say I'm of Apollos. Some say I'm even of Christ, meaning I saw Christ's physical walking on the earth. I was one of his disciples when he was still here. That's fleshly. Are we not but servants of you? And who has called us to be the grace police? You know, to just police everything all the time. He's wrong, he's wrong, he's wrong. Although I'm not against saying, if something's wrong, call it wrong. The only thing I'm trying to say here is, let it not be from a root of bitterness. I can easily say, I disagree with, for instance, the tithing teaching. I disagree with most people on what they teach on the tithe. Um, I, I, as Bertie Brits, the way I believe, I don't believe you have to bless Israel to be blessed. I believe the blessing of Christ supersedes all kind of other blessings. When it comes to, for instance, Israel again, you must bless Abraham. I'll bless Abraham. The Bible says those who call Abraham blessed. It doesn't say those who call the Jews blessed. It says those who call Abraham blessed. And I'll even bless Abraham's seed. The Bible says not as of many seeds, but as of one seed, which is Christ. So I'll speak well of Abraham, and I'll speak well of Christ. Amen. So what do you say about the Jews? I speak about the Jews the way I speak about the Zulu, about the German, about the Italian. Every person, they're all the same. That, that's not born from bitterness. It's born from a revelation of what the, the Bible says. And I, you know, I've seen that bitterness just puts that little bit of a bite in your voice. And it is offensive. It is offensive. It hurts people. And I'm not putting a law on you by saying this. I'm just trying to sh show you that that which we hate so much is brought over. It's like somebody that was molested when he was a child. Or so somebody was raped. The act of rape you know, was wrong, and it did bring hurt, maybe brought some physical hurt, you know, to the person, and they lived in pain maybe for a week or whatever after this happened. But the real rape happens long after the rapist was put in jail by the way the person believes about it. What they believe about it makes that person who raped them come alive in their lives. They're being raped daily because of what they believe about it. If their belief can change about it and they can put it behind them, then the rape is completely over and not active anymore. In the very same way, when we've been abused, long after we're out of the system, we, and we're still living in the bitterness towards it, it still lives in us as if we are in it. And I want to actually say even more. I found people after leaving the law system living in more hurt than when they were in the system. And then taking out the hurt on the grace church. 
being difficult, you know, in the sense of if, if, a, if, a, if a leader comes that preaches grace and uh, want to speak, is treated like he's just nothing. And I'm, I'm not referring to my own life. I'm referring to some things I saw on how people speak to other people that are really in grace. They, even they honor him as a grace pastor, but they speak to him as if he's just nothing. And if he disagrees with one little thing, you just cast him out like he's an old rag. I don't think that is the way God intended for us to live. He intended for us to live in peace. He intended for us to live in joy. And bringing some of that other stuff over will bring the same death. I've even seen in finances, you know, under the law we were so abused that we don't, don't want don't have anything to do with giving whatsoever. And I'm not saying this from, a, from need or lack in my life. I've learned, like Paul says, to be content with whatsoever I have. I thank God. I've got money in the bank. I'm not struggling. You know, I'm living in abundance. But I'm saying this from love in my heart. I, I, I feel just really compelled by God to share this with you guys. You know, we will have so nothing to do with giving that we will not even give to the Grace Church because we are now upset with the Lord Church. In the Lord Church, we had to be on time all the time. So now I'm not going to even come to a meeting. And if I come to a meeting, I'll be an hour late. You see, in your heart, you're not like that. But you are doing what you don't want to do. You don't want to be like that. But this law that's still alive in your heart is killing you and destroying you. Amen. Let's give no place for the devil. Let's give no place for the law. We're not going to live in bitterness towards what has happened. Now, right, how do we get free from this bitterness? How do we get free from this? Now, I want to tell you, I remember there was a time when my wife and I, we sat in, in, in bed and we would say, I wish we could stop to be negative because we're just negative, you know. I remember, you know, we sat, it was still in Douglas. We sat there and we said, we are just so negative. What positive thing can we say? Whenever we speak about any preacher, it's always negative. When we speak about somebody, it's just negative. And the Lord laid upon my heart and said, Bertie, you know, rebellion against the Lord does not equal grace. And I realized that the very thing that was killing me, I gave place in my life again by pondering and thinking upon it all the time. And it was, I think it must have been wonderful to hear the war stories of the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. But after a while, you know, sitting in the camp talking about the war stories, is, is, it's wonderful. But then there's a promised land that we can go and, 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 and partake in. We can reign in this life by the abundance of joy and the true relationship that we can have in Christ. Grace churches is not defined as churches that's against the law. It's defined by what they believe about how much God loves people and what Christ has done for every human being. Amen. Right, so um, let's go to uh, Romans 7. This is the way in which I forgive people. And I, I believe this will really help you. Um, and, you know, there's actually so many verses in here that I can read. What Paul said here, and, and you can go and read Romans 7 for yourself, but what Paul said is this. He said, when I sin, it's not I who sin, but the sin in me. For that which I want to do, I did not do. And that which I didn't want to do, that I did. 
And then I, I, I come to this conclusion. It is no more I that sin, but the sin in me. So the person that led you into this bondage, I want to tell you it was not him, but it was the sin in him. Amen. And even when you lived in bitterness, it was not you, but it's a sin in you. The way we forgive is by seeing the person that d- did it separate from the system that brought it. So that we can forgive the person. That's forgiveness, to separate. That's how you forgive. And that's it. That's as simple as what it is. That's effortless. It's very easy. What I would like you to do is to go and think of maybe whatever area of your life where you were abused in by the law system. Maybe you were never respected. I look at my own life, you know, when I was part, when I just believed in the grace message, I was still a very young man, 23 years of age, part of a big network of churches. None of those old pastors wanted to have me teach them. They would not give me any opportunity. They would even say, when he would come and share his revelations with me, he irritated me. You know, that's the kind of things they would say. And then I would think, yeah, you know, he's just a harsh, stubborn person and, 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 and they don't have respect. And then I would quote scriptures. I would go to scriptures God gave Timothy and says, let them not despise your youth. And then I will become, you know, in, in rebellion or hurt or bitterness, you know, say things and do things. So it just hurts more people. Nobody feels there's authority there. There's power behind it. There's some wisdom and revelation behind it. Nobody. The best thing I could have done was just to leave. I should have left 10 years before I left that system. I should have left. I just caused myself a lot of heartache, continually living in bitterness, trying to change these people. You know, and um, I found that this negative life was killing me. And thank God that I could come to Revelation to forgive the person. And maybe you've been, you know, in that system. This is what you can do. You can see the people in front of you that has done that and see, like Jesus saw when he rebuked Peter, when Peter said to him, you shall never go to the cross, he said, get behind me, Satan. He saw it was Satan giving Peter that thought. It was not Peter himself. So Peter was always forgiven. Peter never became guilty before Jesus. In the same way, I want to tell you that the people that brought this gospel of death or the message of death over us, they are not the guilty ones. They are as much a victim and a slave and blinded. If the blind leads the blind, they both fall into the ditch. Who's angry at a blind man because he cannot see? Nobody, only a fool. So let's not be angry with people that cannot see. Let's rather love them. Let's have respect for them as those that Christ also died for and not live from bitterness and have a vocabulary, a lifestyle that is born from bitterness. I'm not saying we should embrace the law system. I'm not saying we should embrace abuse and all those kind of things. We can boldly stake our claim. We can boldly say, and as you've heard me speak, preach boldly, I will boldly say, if you preach tithing, and sowing and reaping, and if you preach a message of uh, um, covering and all those kind of things, that it brings bondage to to your people, and it will destroy your people, and that it is not the gospel. 
It is not the gospel. I am not for that teaching. I am against that teaching. I'm, I, I cannot support that teaching. I am for what Christ has brought for us. And that I will say boldly, be it somebody that is a big preacher, a small preacher, I can boldly say what I believe with a humble heart, not attacking the person, but stating what I believe. Amen. So I want to encourage you guys, forgive. Let's not live in bitterness. Let's not bring over um, out of uh, uh, the enemy's camp, the stuff that can still destroy our lives. And by that, we are not kings anymore. We don't rule in this life, but we are a slave again. That's what he says here clearly. And I, I end off by just repeating this, uh, this, this definition of bitterness. What does bitterness do? Bitterness is as the sin of witchcraft. What is witchcraft? It's when you, when you put someone under a curse. You bewitch him. You put him under a curse. I know we cannot be cursed, you know, but the, this is what the Bible says. Curse is everyone that walks under the law or that is under the law. So when you go, nobody can put a curse on us by cursing us, but we are under the curse. We are under the curse of the law when we become law-minded. And he says bitterness is a part of the law system. It's still the fruit of the law. It's because it's the law belief that brings forth that fruit in us. So let us also apply the gospel of grace even unto those that has brought the law to us, not willing to submit to the system at all, not even in the area of bitterness. Thank you so much, and I really hope you understand my heart and what I try to communicate to you today. This can really help you so, so much. Amen.